to a brand new edition of uh, Young Gun, Carolina Panthers podcast about Bryce Young. I'm Demetri Ravanis, a Bama grad. She is Lauren Brownlow, the biggest Panthers fan I know, and we are following the team with a microscope on its new franchise quarterback. As you can see, we are not in the OG Media studios this week. I am uh, down in Alabama. Lauren is at her home in North Carolina. Uh, Before we jump in, with everything, Lauren, uh, I am honestly surprised because I, I got to Alabama yesterday. There is just a complete, it's almost like down here, Bryce has just completely left their minds. He's not here anymore, so it does not matter. Is that surprising to you, though? Like, that's a uh, college town. Yeah, a, a little bit because uh, there was so much uh, fervor around this is not Tua's fault a few years ago. I would have thought for sure Bryce would be getting the same benefit of the doubt. I think some of this is because Bama people were very anxious about the fact that their quarterback success had not been the best in the pro level. And so I think now that you've seen some more of that start to happen, people are a little less insecure about it. So Bryce becomes a little more of an afterthought. That's just my theory on it. I mean, it's very possible. Look, we will, I'll tell you about graffiti a little bit later on the show. I'm going to start by telling you about the midweek talk through episode because it goes to exactly what you're talking about. Paul Feinbaum is going to be my guest on the midweek talk through this week because of the novelty of two Bama quarterbacks played each other in the pro, something that hasn't happened since the 70s, mid-70s. Wow. Uh, and and I told you watching this game, like my my heart sank watching these two embrace before the game, Tua and uh, and Bryce Young. It's not an insignificant thing for people down here. That is is something that a lot of people I talk to at, you know, I just stopped for dinner at a, you know, basic fast food kind of place and started conversations with folks. And that's they watched yesterday. Even if they weren't invested in Bryce, they watched yesterday for that significance. Yeah, but, and also, like, I guess you said, like, Bryce is like an afterthought. Let's be real. Bama people are used to doing what? Winning, right? Yeah. What's Bryce yeah. been doing? <laughs> not his not fault. That. I'm not a QB win subscriber. Sorry, Brock Purdy. Not his fault, but, like, they ain't winning. So Bama yeah. fans are probably like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be back with you when uh, things get a little bit better. I'm, I'm just gonna... <laughs> well, we let's... Let's start with the question we ask each and every week. Was Bryce too short this week? And Lord, based on his play, I don't know how there is any answer other than no. I yeah, I never really noticed that being a thing. Didn't even, I don't even really recall the announcers getting on it very much, which is maybe the fewest times I've heard it mentioned, even to like dispel it. Yeah. I feel like it was not really talked about, which was refreshing as well. <laughs> Do you think that is a CBS versus Fox kind of thing? Because this is only the second game they played on CBS all year. I feel like the first one wasn't the first one the Seattle game though, and I feel like there was a lot. Yes. There was a lot of that in that game. So I don't know if it's that. I think it was just the the way the game was playing. I mean, I think it helps when you you know play well at the start of the game and give them yeah. other things to talk about. It it does kind of help because then they start going to some of your talking points, especially if you're struggling. And what's going to come first? The height thing. The height, right. Uh, So I did send you a picture as I sat down to watch the game uh, in my hotel room of Bryce's chin being far too little uh, for the protector on his chin strap. It's the first time I've ever seen a close-up of him like that. And I did think we could get some joy out of that together. I mean, like, to be fair, they don't always make those things to fit. I mean, poor Peyton Manning was in a helmet that didn't fit him for years. (laughs) I always felt so badly for his forehead every time he would take his helmet off. 
Was there ever a thought on on your part with with Peyton specifically because of the reason his helmet didn't fit? Like, did you ever look at him and think like I did of, I wonder if that's supposed to be shaping his head at all? I wonder if this is on purpose to sort of squish things in a bit. For like him. a baby, like a toddler helmet or <laughs> yeah. like a, a baby helmet to like shape their soft skull. No, no. I did, I did think like, you know, it's weird. I don't feel like he has an enormous head like when I look at him, but clearly it's enormous because these things do not fit him. And right. it's uncomfortable uh, to watch, but yeah. So clearly they don't make them to fit everyone. All right, let's talk about the big news. I mean, it is Bryce related. It is not about Bryce specifically, but that is that Frank Reich is giving up play call duties, and you and I exchanged texts during the game that it was really hard not to think about what the first year would look like if Bryce Young had a more creative, more aggressive play caller bringing him along. I'm not saying that it is because they played Miami and Miami was doing all of this very interesting backfield motion to create opportunities for Tua Tungavailoa, but the timing doesn't seem insignificant to me. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely a few plays that they ran that I'm like, man, that little like dollar store Pete Davidson over there really knows what he's doing. (laughs) No, I mean, I'm I'm joking, of course. But yeah, no, they do things offensively that you're like, wow. And a lot of other teams will do that. And it's almost kind of like, cool. I wasn't even like, I'm usually very annoyed watching these games because I grew up a Dolphins fan. Actually, there were no Carolina Panthers when I was a kid. My dad's from Florida. He he was a Dolphins fan. He still cares for the Dolphins some, but not as much as he used to. For me, I've kind of, I I know it's out of my system at this point, because when they play, I know who I end up rooting for always. But it was still like one of the first times they've played in a while that I haven't been actively annoyed at the Dolphins the entire time. So that was progress for me. It's progress. Uh, So let's talk about the change in play callers. I mean, to me, this feels like, it's about time, although at the same time, there is a part of me that kind of wonders, is the change in play callers, is, is this more of uh, Dave Tepper wanting someone calling the plays that will listen when he says we should do X, Y, or Z? It's weird, right? Because obviously the first five games were abysmal from a play yeah. calling perspective. I mean, there's no other way of saying it. However, I mean, and we... We've texted about this a bunch, and I'm sure we'll get more into it, but I was pretty okay with the play calling yesterday. I thought we yeah. saw a lot of, like, new and different and interesting things. So, like, to see that today, and I know that they petered out offensively by the end mm-hmm. of the game, but I think that there were a lot of factors that, like, led into that that were not just play calling. I mean, at a certain point when you're up 20 or so, you can really tee off on a quarterback, which Miami did, and and the Panthers couldn't do much and, and whatever. But, like, for most – a lot of the game, like, they – had some drives and they were able to move the ball. And I thought they showed more offensively. It showed to me more that they did have a plan and they were capable of being at least somewhat dynamic and putting Bryce in better positions to be successful. So yeah, I don't know, maybe it it almost like made me feel less confident to hear that they'd like made that move after that game. Like if you said you made it after the game before I'm with you, but I didn't, I'm like, wait, but they finally like showed something offensively and now you do that. So I don't, sometimes it just feels like maybe they're just making moves to make them. And maybe it is a Tepper thing if he's saying like, well, we lost again. And so we have to do something because people are getting mad. Like yet again, not understanding why people were actually getting mad. It's because you were not putting a competent football product on the field. And yeah. this was the first time we've seen anything remotely resembling like football competence over like more than a two or three play period from the scene. 
So before I say this, I want to I want to make it clear. I didn't watch the Pat McAfee show to on on Monday when we were recording this. So if he said more than this, I don't know. I just saw a clip on uh, on social media. You know, Pat played for the Colts and remains close with the Colts organization. And he said that he looked at Reich after games as a guy that sort of looks fed up. Like he he, he said, you know, he's got no information. But this, yeah, I mean, he said this looks like a guy that is realizing he should have taken a year off. And he wonders if the change in play calling is about, hey, this is as close to a year off as I can get at, at this point is to make someone else Dave Tepper's problem. Yeah. And, you know, you always wonder, I think, at least to an extent, and this is always the biggest concern when your head coach calls your plays, like, what do you lose from a game management perspective when Mm -hmm. that's happening? Like, what are you sacrificing? Are you, do you have a feel of the whole game? Like, are you helping make the best decisions for your team at any given moment? And like, I did feel like Reich did a better job of that yesterday too, honestly, like of situational awareness. I mean, to me, like, listen, y'all, I'm not sitting here trying to act like he called like called some masterful game that they'll put in the annals of football history. That's not what I'm saying, but y'all understand our bar was, was in hell. Like it yeah, was exactly. in hell. It was it, below Lord, hell. Like the fact that our coach is not afraid of our quarterback anymore is progress. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that the coach no longer seems to be actively sabotaging the offense progress <laughs> progress and we're that's not Brian forensing it up here in, in Carolina anymore <laughs> signs of hope yeah like, you, you know the, the one thing though this does give me some pause on even though I am all for whatever changes things up and makes things better for not just for Bryce but for for the offense and for the team in general because if I have to watch this team Jesus Christ I can't keep watching this version of this team um, I do worry if we both think that like two, three wins are kind of what we're looking at this season. I do worry that if if Frank and the whole staff is hustled out of there next year, can can a guy with as much climbing as Bryce has to, to do, can he handle three play callers in that short amount of time if that's what it comes to? Um, I think probably because I think – if they make that move, hopefully, and you never know because of who will be making it, hopefully yeah. the long-term payoff is the best for him anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not ready to just go ahead and declare Frank Reich back to being some like <laughs> offensive mind after just one game where they weren't that great offensively. But like, you know, I think what's giving me a little pause too is this feels like results-based decision making, mm-hmm, right? For like, sure. I mean, what did you think they were going to beat the Dolphins? Right, <laughs> right. So, like, what if you didn't think they were going to beat the Dolphins? Was there like a better scenario you were envisioning here to not have made? Like, that's what I don't get. Right? It's like, why, why is that when you make this move? Like, when they actually play well, it's almost like because they lost, or like because they still lost by a lot, they want to make the move. And that's what's concerning for me because what I want to see out of this team, and I think what most of us do, is like literally just progress that's mm-hmm. why yesterday people were all like losing their minds it wasn't because like everyone's happy that they lost again but we all understand what this team is it's bad the team is bad it's not going to win many football games what you want to see is your quarterback getting better your offense getting better the coach is getting better you want to see some progress towards something that's not awful right yeah. that's all you want to see and what i worry about is the fact that maybe they're not going to win many games i think that they will win some games like the nfl is a ba- like there are a lot of bad football teams in the nfl they really are oh, and yeah. i think like i think that they will somehow find a way to beat one of them or two of them maybe three <laughs> of them at some point 
but I still, you know, it, it is obviously one of those things where you're, you're going to have to see progress in ways that are not wins and losses. Like, I think everyone has to understand that, including the owner. Now, trusting him to understand anything is maybe a tall order. However, like that's what I is is a little concerning, I guess, to me maybe about making that move is because like, why make it like why if, if you're going to make it now, why didn't you make it last week? Because like yeah. they were always going to lose to the Dolphins. Why are you giving them a, oh, well, if you, if you, you move the football up and down the field against the Dolphins, we'll just leave things as they are. Like that doesn't make sense to me either. So I don't know. As always, the show is brought to you by the folks at Graffiti in downtown Cary. Yes, it's got high-end cocktails and cool art on the walls, but it's also a great place to watch football every Sunday. 19 TVs, weekly prizes given away by their beer sponsor, 158 East Cedar Street in downtown Cary. Graffiti is also doing specials on bourbon pours throughout the games on Sundays. Blanton's, $10. Eagle Rare, Angel's Envy, both of those, $9.00. McKenna 10-year, Heaven Hill 7-year, and Buffalo Trace, all $8 pours. Graffiti is a very different football watching experience, and it's one that you should make time to have, if for only because they are the reason we get to keep doing Young Gun each and every week. Yes, and also it's a very cool place to be. It is a very cool place to be. Uh, Lauren Brownlow, a not very cool place to be. Uh, Johnny Heckert's forehead. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) The, the 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 mix of emotions I had in that moment when he headbutted that dude I mean, it was a wild listen, experience. Listen, Kevin Harlan, for as goofy as he got at the end of that, he was dead on about like it's hard to rack your brain and think about a roughing call or an unnecessary roughness call against a punter or kicker ever in the NFL. So the, right, exactly. I I get that. Although, listen, man, punters have become kind of jacked in recent years, like yeah. some of them. And Hecker's like not a little dude. I mean, no, he's, he's not, not. He's not a huge dude necessarily, especially compared to the guy that you know acted like he'd been shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun. Yeah, but like the moment, like I was mad. Even though, like, like the game's out of reach, though, so that made me a little less mad. So, like, yeah. I'm mad. I'm amused incredibly. <laughs> I'm impressed. Like, cause he didn't hesitate. He, he, he was fine with, with getting some of that action, you know? Oh, for sure. He didn't even ask for backup. He's just going right <laughs> in. <laughs> and then also like extreme, like both disgust and amusement at the flop itself. Like I'm, I'm sitting there like, like, a uh, friend of our podcast and my friend, Nada, uh, Kanata Edwards yeah. tweeted, they should bring back shame for plays like that. <laughs> We should we should bring back shame. Donata's <laughs> like point, like as after the World Cup this uh, this summer, um, I have so much more respect for a great flop because sure. I'm not it's saying art form, man. Absolutely, I'm not saying the Spanish women only got as far as they did in the World Cup because of their flopping, but they were master actresses for just the littlest thing. And I came to like forget complaining about it. It's enjoyable to me. LeBron flopping at the NBA uh, playoffs. Mwah, more of it, please. Yeah, it's 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 funny when it's done well. I feel uh-huh. like. and well, actually, no, that's not true. Scratch that. It's, it's effective when it's done well. It's funny. It's yeah. When what we saw on Sunday happens for yes, sure. It's, it's really funny then because you're like, and and Johnny Hecker after the game was asked about it. And he was basically like, like he was like, I literally like touched my face mask to his. 
And the dude, <laughs> he's like, I don't know if he, he was almost impressed. He was like, I don't know if that dude practices that or like what, but that was not like, like he was still like owning it. He was like, I shouldn't have done it. Obviously, like I lost my yeah, tool. Yeah. He was like, no, it was like, it was not even because, because the guy, because I think it was Scott Fowler. He's like, did you, you had that in there, right? Because it looked like your face mask touched. And he's like, yeah, but I didn't really. Like, he's like, literally I leaned in, we touched and he went like. Yeah. So that, that makes it almost even better because I legit thought it wasn't hard, but I thought he did actually like. I thought he did too, yeah. Or like you know headbutt him, but he was like, "No, I really didn't even do that." <laughs> I want to uh, give you some time here to cook on your complaints about the secondary because I have very, I have very basic complaints, right? Like they are giving everybody the biggest cushions in the world, but you texted me yesterday. That And it seems like, because you didn't lay it all out for me, I don't know what you're going to say, but your complaints seem a little bit more specific than mine. Well, it, it appeared on the Tyreek Hill touchdown that they had single coverage. Yeah. If they if they didn't have single coverage, they had a very bad job of having double coverage. Yeah. Um, and Dante Jackson, I think, still has burn marks on the back of his <laughs> uniform. And that's supposed to be the fast one. Remember when they were floating dudes out for trades? Oh, he runs a 4, 340 or whatever. And I know he's been a little banged up or whatever, so I'm not trying to be too hard on him. Also, I get it. It's Tyreek Hill, dude, super fast. Fine. But at the same time, I'm like, this is the way we're going to cover this guy? Like, yeah, I don't well, I mean, know, man. And it's it's both of them, right? Because it's not like yeah. Jalen Waddle or even Raheem Mostert. It's not like that you get a book on any of those dudes. And there were times when Waddle would go over the middle where they would yep. give him this huge cushion before anybody would engage. And in my head, like I'm thinking, you know, a dude like Waddle, a dude like Hill, a dude like Mostert, like what is three steps for a lot of people, they can hurt you real bad. And it just didn't seem like there was any acknowledgement of who you were playing in this game. Yeah. I mean, I think that they felt like they wanted to keep something in front of them, which I kind of get. And it's hard, right? Because you can't blitz because then those guys get behind you and they're yeah. like, one on, they're in one-on-one. -on -one. But like, if you try to keep them in front of you, that's not always going to work either. I mean, I don't really know what the answer is defensively. I only know that you can't cover Tyreek Hill one-on-one -on -one with this secondary. <laughs> there is no one in the secondary that can cover Tyreek Hill one-on-one. -on -one, and that should not have happened at any moment in this football game, really, because that, no, no, no. <laughs> oh. uh, we do want to remind you that every Tuesday night this show is on Origin Sports. It's uh, one of the fast channels. Find it on Freebie, Samsung TV Plus, Roku. Uh, you know any any of those services where you get free television. Origin Sports. We are uh, very thankful that they invest in this uh, show the way that they do and give us a, a little bit of a platform. Let's now do something that's going to make Origin very uncomfortable and describe this game plan, which I describe as the zero f given game plan. Because, boy, it seemed like Frank Reich was kind of letting it all hang out. And it's not like, like you said earlier. No, this was not crazy. I don't well, know. No, this, this is this is my point. It's like what you said earlier was it's not like this was a game breaking or a groundbreaking game plan. However, this was way more than he has ever let Bryce do. Yeah, for sure. And I think it was it was that offensively for sure, like that they were willing to do more. They were willing to take more shots down the field, which we hadn't seen a ton of. Um, and they were willing to do some different types. We didn't just see a bunch of like only screens. Um, right. Thankfully, <laughs> that was nice. Um, huh. and, and it was also like in a general sense, too, right? Of like the zero given thing. It was also like faking a punt. Um, right. it, it didn't get executed perfectly, but it almost no. got I mean, they almost got it. And, and listen, to, to take you inside our text conversation when that happened, Lauren said she liked the call. And at first, I thought, yeah. 
boy, what a terrible call of who they went to in the in the formation. Is, that's fair, yeah. Yeah, well, I thought what a bad person to go to. And, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who the who the receiver was that actually Chenault? caught with it. Chenault? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so it was it was not about Chenault. It was about his position yeah. in that route. But then right. you go back and you watch the replay and you see Hayden Hurst didn't even bother to block the guy he was supposed to block. And I don't know that that would have resulted in the first down, but it would have put Chenault in a better position to make the dive he did on the well, side. It's, just, it's really fortunate that Hayden Hurst is making up for that by being a really productive pass catch. Oh, <laughs> sure. sure. Uh Oh, that's not happening. Sorry. It's it's funny. He is the tight end. It seems like is making the most catches, but he's definitely not the one making the most impactful catches when the tight ends catch the ball. Like when, when well, Ian Thomas is on IR now, so we will no longer see Ian Thomas random sightings. Um, yeah. At any point, it's Tommy Tremble now, still like doing stuff. So okay, cool. Um, Who last but, week had a touchdown catch? This week had a nice long catch. The other thing too is Tommy Tremble. It's just sure. like you know, that's not you, you. don't expect that after you get Hayden Hurst. I was about to say he's not the one you went out on the free agent market and specifically targeted. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. The the other thing that I noticed this week that look, there's a reason there was no Sad Sanders run. There was no Miles Sanders, but I do wonder. If Chuba Hubbard's just downfield momentum is going to change the the hierarchy of running backs on this team. Dimitri, let me just say something to you. If Sanders, I I don't know how long Sanders is supposed to be out. I'm not sure exactly. I don't either. If he comes back and the split goes back to the way it was before, that might be the thing that breaks me finally. (laughs) Because he said why. Like, and, and honestly, we had been saying it, hadn't we? It was a limited sample size, admittedly, with, with Chuba. But at the same time, we were like, okay, well, whenever he's run the ball, he's looked much better. Mm-hmm. And yet they continued to do the same thing over and over again with the Miles Sanders falling down for a yard situation. Right. And I'm like, even as a pass catcher, I thought Chuba had been more dynamic in that way. And so I'm sitting here like, hi, can we use him more? Finally, they do, because they have to. And all of a sudden... The, again, the run game, we're, we're not talking like huge numbers. We're not talking yeah. anything crazy. But again, it's just confidence. Confidence is the baseline here. And you, you're seeing closer to it now. You and I had opposite reactions to that stat they mentioned at the end of the first half. That This is the first time that the Panthers have run as a team for 50 yards in a game since week one. And like my reaction was, well, the pass game is not working and they're not doing three and out every time. So surely there is some success in the run game. And your reaction was, well, why are you surprised? Of course, that is where we are in the run game. But but either way, it's not like they were gaining many yards, period. That's the other thing. So like, I get what you're saying. The yards have to come from somewhere. Well, they're not. They're coming from nowhere. That's the problem, right? Like, yeah, they can get like a couple yards here and there, but they're not getting 50, especially when like half their runs were for like one or zero, you know? Yeah. So that's why it didn't really surprise me a ton, honestly. Yeah. I mean, and look, that is, uh, that is totally fair. I think that if they you- never get long runs, Miles Sanders, like, I, I don't recall. I'm sure he has had at least one that went for like one that I can remember this year, but he, but like, look that, that whatever that run was, and let's say it was like 15 yards. Cause it was somewhere in that area that I remember. Yeah, That sounds right. At some point, all of those one and negative one, like for, for they're getting, more impactful, right? The average is never going to come out to like four or five. It's going to be way closer exactly. to one or two because of the overwhelming amount of those, uh, of those short runs. And that's uh, not what happened yesterday. Like, finally, no. 
like I, I think this one of the I mean he got like one once he had one run that to me was reminiscent of the of the uh, SSRs sad Sanders runs but <laughs> yeah but like the rest of them for the most part he's getting like three or four where Sanders had not been doing that yeah for sure and I don't know if that is about running style about I mean like it can't be about size they're not significantly different in terms of size it may just be about that downhill style versus look, maybe he's more thing. used to the way that like these guys block i mean i have no idea you know i mean who knows yeah. but all i know is what's been working this year is chuba and not my yeah, for sure for sure uh i want to uh remind everybody that the way we find new listeners and keep doing this show is when you spread the word so wherever you listen be sure and like and subscribe and also take time to leave a comment, whether that is on uh, YouTube, your favorite podcasting platform, um, or I guess call the switchboard at Raycom and let them know you enjoy watching on uh, Origin Sports. I I'm not sure what the right way uh, to do that is. And I will remind you that uh, this week on the midweek talk through, uh, Paul Feinbaum is my guest. And the reason oh, Feinbaum is I my guest, oh, I will definitely greet him that way. Uh, the reason Paul Feinbaum is my guest is what we are going to wrap it up with. Lauren, I, I don't know. You sent me the text message of Tua and Bryce embracing before the game. And you even, I can't pull up your text easily, but it, it was it was something about the, something to the effect of, I hope your heart is ready for this. And I don't know if you knew that my heart was not ready for it, but it was so great. Yeah, it was so great to see two Alabama quarterbacks facing off in the NFL because, look, I we live a charmed life as Bama fans, right? Like, But for the, the, the team I grew up rooting for, the trade-off of all the winning was, oh, it will be very boring football. And it is not that way anymore. And, and so I've, I've never, until Jalen Hurts and, and Tua Tungabailoa, I had never seen a Bama quarterback as a starter in the NFL, let alone – this string of guys. It was a cool thing to see. Yeah, well, I just hope, you know, I thought your spirits maybe needed picking up after uh, UNC <laughs> is ahead of Bama in the most recent poll. That must have it been is, hard. It hard was, to... listen, I, I feel the way my UNC uh, fan friends when we won the basketball game earlier. Well, I was going to make a joke about it, but like Bama's been so good in basketball that I was like, no, it's not even a good joke anymore because like they're Legit good at basketball. Well, so but see, here's here's the trade-off, Lauren, is I know that there are Bama fans that are really excited about how good we are at basketball. That is not true. Like it is, it is just a time filler until the next I football season. I I truly I made this joke to the Joes uh one time because they could not believe how critical of Nate Oates I was. When Alabama got bounced from the NCAA tournament this year, it was a relief to me. I can stop pretending and wasting my time watching this dumb, dumb sport and get back to pining for college football. I mean, you don't have to anyway, you know. No, I, I but I've but got to no, set an example I mean, for the kids, Lauren. You know, it was a really cool. It was heartwarming for me. Like, I got a little emotional after the game when they yeah. hugged. That was the one that really did it for me because Bryce did look, like, genuinely vulnerable and, mm -hmm. and sad, and it was so nice to hear. And, like, they talked for a while. Like, Tua said a lot of stuff to him, and then, you know, they were able to kind of – he was able to talk about what a little bit about what he told him. And I just thought that was so cool. Yeah. And so this is where like, let's move it aside from my feelings for my alma mater and then the football team I grew up rooting for and, and, and sort yeah. of look at this from the standpoint of Tua and Bryce, right? There is a connection because yeah. they are both Alabama quarterbacks. I'm sure Nick Saban made a point to Tua to, you know, give Bryce some words of encouragement, but here is a dude that, through the first two or three years of his career, looked like it had already been derailed before it got started. So I, I don't know 
if Bryce is thinking about that immediately. But as a fan of both of them, it is not lost on me. The and he was doubted. Tua still doubted a lot. Tua yeah, still gets sure. a lot of skepticism. So, like for me, I thought that was super cool because, like, and yeah, he obviously had a lot, a little different start to his career in terms of adversity. His was a lot injury related. I know. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm relieved he's playing football again at all, much less at this high level. Um, yeah after that hip injury, because it looked awful. Um, but, you know, he also got questioned a lot. Like, is he that good? Is he going to be that guy? And he's stuck with it. And and people have been patient with him. And he's been patient. And here he is, like, flourishing now. And so I think that was just really cool for him to kind of, like, take time. And you could tell, like, the empathy was very genuine. And it was there and the caring. And it's just nice to see. It's nice to see between humans that – you know, you, you can't find many people that can empathize with your play yeah. as a professional high round quarterback. You know what I mean? And and it's nice that they had that connection and could share that. I think I hope Bryce took something really positive away from that, too. Me, too. And because he is not under six feet, I think Tua is right at six feet. There was also some talk about his size, but it was not nearly to the degree that it is. Why does he look so uh, much bigger? Then? It just he looks bigger to me, like so much. Yeah. The, I mean, because, you know, part of it, the other thing that Bryce is missing when we talk about his size, and this is why Tua looks bigger, it's because Tua's thick. Tua, Tua yeah. is a wide young man. I will say, like, if you're small and, and, and thick, A, you'd be my favorite quarterback yeah. of all time because I love that body type in football. <laughs> like, give me, give me a little bowling ball running back. Yes, you're my favorite. <laughs> all day, every day. However... Like if he had a little more meat on him, in spite of being short, like I think people would be a little less. But he does at times look just so fragile back Lord, there, and you're Lord, like, call me crazy. Call me crazy. If he had a little more meat on him, we wouldn't have a package for a different quarterback to do the tush push. Exactly right. No, uh, that's true. Yeah. So I, I do, I do watching this game, and you and I texted this back and forth, and I mentioned it earlier. The imagine Bryce with a head coach or an offensive coordinator that was not always concerned about him and wanted to go out there and do cool stuff with him. I do think it is interesting that like as much as we saw that video when Mike McDaniels got hired of him calling Tua and telling Tua, you're my guy, we're going to do this with you. Well, okay, but you know, the Dolphins did go pursue other quarterbacks before last uh, season. So I I do wonder, given the adversity, the fact that eventually Mike McDaniels, while he is all in on Tua, he did have to settle for Tua. Does that give you some hope? for Bryce that like this thing will have a way of working itself out. He's got the tools. It's just a matter of situation or am I being too optimistic here? I think the biggest thing that holds me back from any kind of meaningful hope in that way would just be the fact that I do not ever recall the Panthers having an offensive play caller that did dynamic interesting <laughs> things. With the, we've had some good ones, like some solid sure. ones understood like, you know, I thought North Turner was probably like North Turner is the best offensive coordinator, I think, that the Panthers have had. Mm-hmm. And just sit with that for a moment and think about what that means. Right. Because you were not getting North Turner at like San Diego, North Turner, in terms of play calling uh, accurate. No, but he did have a very good understanding of Cam and how to use Cam. Mm-hmm. I thought Cam was at his best with North. And that's really what you want in an offensive coordinator, I think like the dynamic play calling is cool. I mean, it's certainly fun to watch. Like I even enjoyed it in that game. Like at least if I watch the Panthers play, I don't have to watch bad football on the other side. That was nice. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you want, what you want is an offensive coordinator that understands what your quarterback can and can't do 
and calls plays accordingly. And that yeah. sounds super simple, but it's really not. It's just not. You look across the NFL. It's not. So. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's funny. I heard, um, I can't remember what NFL talking head I heard talking about this this morning before the news even came down about Thomas Brown is there were only, name a position, a coaching position in the NFL. There are only 32 of those that exist. And it's really hard for guys to not feel like if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down doing it my way. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think like, it's just tough too, because if you want to implement all these great ideas on offense and they don't work, then you're out yeah. the door way faster. So it's risk reward, right? It's why coaches don't take a ton of risks. If they don't take risks and it's not their fault when they lose games because they kick a million sad field goals, then they're going <laughs> to keep kicking the sad field goals, right? Right? <laughs> like what incentive do they have to change if they're going to get fired for the alternative? That's why we need more Dan Lanning energy in the National uh, Football League.